And we're here. It's us. It's the Comedy Couch it's with Dennis Hensley and Tony Tripoli. That's right. He's over there on the uh, right, and I'm on the left. Sometimes people put them in backwards, and they freak out. They can't handle it. I was talking to somebody this week in L- in New York. That's like, if I have them in the wrong ears, I I have to change it right away. Yeah, I would think so. That's right. So it's a, that's against God. It is. It's all wrong. It's nearly August. Almost. Yeah, We've got a, the 30th. some time off from the police. You're getting ready to go to Vegas. Yeah, because I haven't done enough traveling this month. No, you've got travels galore. But that's all right. It's good. I have stories to tell. I know. So um, I have travels. I, I did a fair amount of traveling. Not as much as you, but a uh, fair amount. So that's why because you, start... you like yourself. Why does that have to do with traveling? Because it is I agree. Torture. It's totally true. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's But I don't get what happens. It's torture, ha- traveling. You know what I mean? Like Even yeah. like... You know, and look, it's it's just it's horrible. Like the the travel industry, the airline industry, they're not profitable like they used to be. They're cutting corners of where they can. Right. Everyone is stressed and late and TSA and and you know people still don't know. You have to take your shoes off and it's like, what do you mean I can't have a gallon of water? Everyone annoys you. Oh, for sure. But it's like, (laughs) but especially, I mean, everywhere, everyone annoys me everywhere. Right. Um, But yeah, it's just. But traveling is just you know it's hard and it's like the seats are so. Small and you get stuck. It's not because people are terrible, but then weather and stuff. Anyway, yeah, it's just it, traveling's tough. My favorite moment. I remember when I did my second book tour, and I was t- flying like all like crazy. I love getting the time after TSA before you get on the plane. I loved that window of time for yeah, absolutely eating something or whatever. Is that feeling of okay? I got through security. I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. I can you know. Enjoy a little something. I could go to Chili's too. Mm-hmm. I did uh, that in um, Chili's two. Almost better than Chili's one. I think it's definitely better. I would agree with you on I that. I think so. So tell us where you've been because you've been to some unusual places. Um, I yeah, I went um to, but it's just going to be complaints. <laughs> I don't feel like you're up for it. Do you want to? Are you in for this? I'm in for it. I'm in for a pen. I think I'm in for it. Yes. Because it's just complaints. That's all I got. Um, All right. And um, so, but I I went, uh, I stayed at this hotel in Chicago that I'd stayed at um, before when when we were there with Joan when she shot her uh, DVD special. Right. Which I think is going to air in Showtime in. I feel like it's going to happen in November. Does she have a name for year. it? You know what? I really don't know what the name is, so I better not say. I better you know what would be a good name for a comedy special? Uh, for somebody like Joan, say, Joan Rivers, too soon? And it's just uh-huh. all of these jokes that are too soon to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it, we, it was, you know, again, sitting around with Joan and pitching idea titles for a yeah. comedy special, that's a fun, that's Exercise, a fun evening. I'm yeah. sure. Um, you know, another so. one would be good, not safe for work. Yeah, exactly. Although she doesn't know what NSFW means. That's true. And so, you know, it, you know, she did think that LOL meant lots of love. And then it was in this week's. I know of, I, that, I, that strained credulity, uh, that, in, that young a person wouldn't, wouldn't know. know LOL. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're talking about the newsroom, a show that we've been watching this summer, which I enjoy very much. It's so great. It's so great. If you're a hundred percent. Right and democratic, like they are. Yeah. Then it's the best show ever. I mean, but it's very sorkin but I do enjoy watching. Yeah. But they, but they make their points really well. Oh, just like the West Wing did. Yeah. But West Wing was, I feel like, a lot more balanced. I do feel like this is politically much less balanced than 
the West Wing was. Yeah. But I fucking I agree with everything that right. he's you they know, make railing some good against. Points. Who's your favorite character? Um well, I mean, I think it's pretty hard for your favorite character not to be Jim. Jim's my favorite character. Yeah, of course. Although I like Dev Patel. Yeah, he's great. And I like he's that he actor. also has he's like a secret pussy hound on the side. Like he's I got guess, these yeah. girls that they yeah. kind of allude to. Mm-hmm. Um so I I like that. Um, what do you think of Alice? And Pill? Olivia Moon is is fantastic. She's really good. She's terrific. And didn't it. she used to work on G three or she was G4. on G four on like Attack of the Show, yeah. and then she was on an NBC sitcom where everyone just was so mean and horrible to her, like yeah. in the press and stuff. And then like she's in Magic Mike with her tits out smoking weed. She's great. And then boom, she's really good. Like, she's a full on fucking actress. And she did a whole bunch of lines in Japanese this week. And I want to know. Yeah. I'm going to talk to my friend who directed it and say what was going on there. Mm. How hard did she have to work? Yeah. Uh, she's really solid. And well, my guess is that she probably speaks some Japanese. And maybe they incorporated so, that into the script. Yeah. And so maybe when they were hiring her, maybe they knew yeah. in like the fourth episode there was going to be obviously. Maybe it's on her special skills on her resume. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. If, I think they were like, look, we need to have some African-Americans. We need to have some Asians. We need to have, you know, I think there's a. Yeah, if you can speak Japanese, that's... But I, so my, my guess mind. is that she can speak a little. Yeah. And so she had to really, really study. Because, like, my Japanese is so bad. Like, I can barely yeah. say anything now. But I could have probably learned those lines in one-tenth the time it would have taken you. Right. Because I knew a lot of the words. And yeah. I know the sentence structure. Yeah. And I know how it's supposed to sound musically. Yeah. So I think that's... Rather than just learning a bunch of gibberish phonetically. Do you like um, Mackenzie? Um, the British girl, because I like her sometimes, and then I don't, I don't like, like her it when sometimes. she gets really sticky. She can't do shtick when and she when, does I, that stuff. It really, and I know what they're trying to say is that human, that person, that character can't do it. Tries to do shtick a lot and fails. It. Yeah, but it's not. I don't know. It, yeah. It's embarrassing for her, and I also feel like. My the old head writer of the dish, Jesse Gaskell, yeah. watches that show and thinks, "Oh, that's me." And I just want to say that ain't you, Jesse. All right. That ain't you. In case she's listening. <laughs> yeah, I know she's not listening, but in, in case anyone knows her that is listening, I think you'll agree yeah. with me. Um, what else about that show? It's uh, great. I like that, you know, I love that. Oh, by the way, the guy that was the, um, the therapist or the yes. therapist's son in this week's episode uh-huh. was on my plane back from New York, which you're going to hear about. Did you recognize him? But yeah. You had seen it already? No. No, but he He's was on that show actor. like Numbers and he okay. was on that show. Yeah. He's been on a bunch of shows. Numthrers. Like he was on that show Num th- three or whatever. Yeah. All right. So we're, so we're we've got all these tales from our own life okay. and yet we're Here's sucked into Aaron Sorkin. Here's world. my complaint about my Chicago hotel. Okay. Um I had stayed there before with Joan and I remember liking the hotel. It's very sort of dark and moody and like it's one of those modern so it's an intercontinental but it's very much like a Mondrian or something except for whereas like those Mondrian those hotels are always like all white. Yeah. White 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 like they all look like you would go for like a really really expensive abortion there. Yeah. But this is like more like earth tones browns and grays and stuff but it's still very dim and dark. The problem is I don't know why so this is an expensive hotel. But why do the people that make expensive hotels think that rich people don't care if the entire bathroom floor gets wet because they always give you the when glass shower, shower yeah, yeah. with no shower door. Yeah. And it's like, look, just because I'm rich, yeah. I want the water to stay in the shower area. I don't want to slip and fall while I'm yeah. trying to shave at the basin. 
Yeah, and you're looking at you're looking at it going, okay, if I point Am the I just shower not figuring nozzle this, out? this way, yeah. like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a I've uh, already accepted puzzle. that it's going to take me 5 minutes to figure out how to turn off the light. I yeah. already have figured that cuz it's yeah. going to be there's not just going to be a switch, it's going to yeah. be some weird knob that is thing. also ornamental. Yeah. But I draw the line at the wet water floors. But aside from that it was great. Also, so, you what can't were you doing in Chicago. I was thing? just there to spend the night to then make it to so it was just Columbia, South Carolina because to get Columbia is such a small town. So you needed to I do literally a would have to be on like an 8 a.m. flight out of yeah. L.A. to get there at night time yeah. by 6. And so I couldn't. So I had to leave Thursday night, spend the night in Chicago. Great. Um, and I had a friend there to see. So, you know, that was fine. But okay. um, also these dark bathrooms. How are you supposed to get ready in the morning? You literally you can't do your hair. There's yeah. no like if I was a woman that wore a full face of makeup. It was like I literally had to go out into the regular part of the of the bedroom mm -hmm. and plug the hairdryer into a socket by the window so I had enough light just to blow dry my hair. Like, yeah. And I don't have a very elaborate hairdo. No. But I just thought, wow, Farrah Fawcett would have been. She would have been up shit creek. Up, yeah, you know what's weird about me in bathrooms? I don't like black toilets. Well, I think they're weird. They're great in practice, but they you could, they're always water spots on them. So. Well, and I just feel weird, and I yeah. look down afterwards, and that doesn't seem right. What's happening down there? I have a weird thing about mm. it, like a Billy Bob Thornton phobia, quirky thing. Anyways, so then I flew on to South Carolina. Now I was uh, going to uh, a little town called Columbia, South Carolina, which is where uh, the university is. Go uh, Gamecocks. So when you called? see those people, yeah, like our friend Zachary wears yeah. that baseball cap that says Cox. Right. That's where he went to okay. school, and the all Gamecocks right. are the mascots. So all over town it just says, go Cox. And I was like, I think I'm going to like it here. Yeah, that's nice. Because I'm very pro-Cox, so that's For good. Sure. Yes, I'm a fan. They've embraced so, the double entendre I um, I re My little brother said, because he lives in Spartansburg, so he's like, right. it's an hour and a half for me to drive to Columbia. But it's also an hour and a half for me to drive to Charlotte, which is where I was connecting so let me just pick you up in Charlotte. Don't wait the two hours for your connection and then take the 20-minute flight because once I pick you up, we will have arrived in Columbia before the plane will. That makes sense. And I was like, great. I didn't know that when I booked the ticket. I no. just wasted a lot of money. So I call U.S. Airways Nathan the day Tony, before. you're the first team to arrive. Yes. And I say, uh, U.S. Airways, I'm not going to use that one half of the ticket. I'm only going to use Chicago, Charlotte. And then the next day, I'm just going to drive back to Charlotte and do Charlotte to Louisville, Kentucky. Right. And they're like, no, it's a $250 change fee. And I go, but I'm not changing anything. They go, well, yeah, you're changing cities. I go, no, I'm already going to that city. And instead of sitting there for two hours and waiting for a connection, I'll just get my bag and go. And they're like, well, then you're changing where you're picking up your bag. And so that's $250. I go, but my bag is also going to Charlotte anyway. No, we are going to check your bag through to Columbia. I know that, but it's going to stop in Charlotte and change planes so just put it on the baggage carousel $250 so they wouldn't let me do it without paying the 250 holy shit so I had to go all the way to Columbia then of course after my two-hour connection there suddenly was a daytime storm and we sat on the runway for an hour so now I was late to make it to sound check for Joan Rivers now here's the thing I'm opening for Joan Rivers in Columbia South Carolina and you know what it's you don't ever want to be the thing that's the problem yeah. Joan has a lot of balls in the air. She's a very busy woman. Yeah. And so when she walks into the theater and says, is Tony here? You want them to go, yeah. oh, yes, he's been here for an hour. He's ready. You don't want them to go, no. And so I'm, I'm on the runway texting her assistant saying, I'm stuck on the runway. I'm still going to be there in plenty of time for the show, but I know you want to be there at 6 because Joan's going to arrive at 6.15. I'm probably going to arrive around 6.15 also for 6.30 sound check. 
And he's like, all right, but it's really best if you can be there before us. I'm like, I totally get it. But, you know, so they were there a couple minutes before me. Joan totally understood. She wasn't annoyed. We do sound check. We do the show. It's an amazing show. Afterwards, my little brother and his fiance, who I love so much, come backstage. Joan is like gushing on them. So good to meet you. And, you know, Tony tells me all about you. And I'm so excited about your new house. And like Joan remembers everything. Takes pictures. Wonderful. They go home. I go to the hotel. Great. Next morning, I have to fly Columbia, change planes in Charlotte, go on to Louisville, Kentucky to do my own show for my, you know, alone. They bump me from my 1030 in the morning flight and put me on the like 130 flight. So I'm still going to get in now at like six o'clock instead of two in the afternoon. Like I don't, that's fine. Six. I don't have any prep before my show. Like I can just show up and do it. Right. And so, which is the advantage to not trying very hard. And so I uh, say, no problem. They, I get in to Louisville, Kentucky. There was another weather thing. So we're a little late. It's now 10 minutes to seven when I land and the show's at eight and they've lost my luggage. Now, I'm in shorts and a tank top, and I need to shave. Oh, my God. So now it's a little panicky. And so I have to, in the cab, I have to go to Target and buy a pair of shoes, socks, pants, belt, shirt, shaving stuff. Yeah. And get to the theater. And there's a drag show at this theater at 1030, 1230, and 130. Okay. Or whatever. And so they're letting us use their theater from 8 to 10 at like a really discounted rate because it's for a charity. It's for Kentucky Right to Marriage. Good luck. And um, and they're very, very nice. And so one of the drag queens lets me shave in her bathroom, you know, with cold water. So I'm like, ugh. And, but, you know, it's fine. We're, it's show business. And then the drag queen that's opening for me is named Helena Handbasket. That's cute. Well, yeah, because there's, you know, there's one in every city. Yeah. So that's fine. She's theirs. And she's never done stand-up before. And I'm like giving her a little pep talk, which I shouldn't have done. And she then goes on stage to do well, her 20 minutes. What does she do normally? Just lip sync? Yeah. But okay. now she like wants to try doing some stand-up and she's written right. some material. Okay. And she's going to read it off pieces of paper. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Just go be fun. Have fun. As long as you're having fun, the audience will have fun. Right. That's not true. But it's a nice thing that you say to people yeah. before they go on stage. And so, um, but she was very, very nice. So she goes out on stage to do her 20 minutes. Now they've told me you have to finish at 10 minutes to 10. We have to have the theater emptied out and cleaned up by 10 to open the doors at 10 for the drag customers at 1030. That was the deal. No problem. Eight o'clock show. It's a gay event. So they don't even start till 820. The guy goes out. He gives away like the award or whatever for like their charity. You know, the whoever raised the most money or something. And now here's the opening act. Drag queen. She comes out to do her 20 minutes. It goes on and forever. she's on stage for 55 minutes. And I'm backstage fuming. Like, there's nothing you can do, and it's that helpless. Yeah. And then I and then I was like, well, whatever. The check is going to be the same amount whether I do 10 yeah. minutes or an hour. So, you know, and I can't very well be like, these people came to see me. Like, no one cares about you, Tony. Just, you know what I mean? But do you, you, the opening act shouldn't be longer than the of course. featured act. But no matter know, what, who it is or where what, it is. Yeah. So, and the guy that is the organizer of the event couldn't be nicer, but he is a little preoccupied because he is in a speedo backstage because he's doing her closing number. She's going to lip sync an opening number and a closing number and apparently talk for 50 minutes in between. Um, And he has to come out and be her like sexy guy in a speedo. Yeah. And oh, and that trumps everything. Yeah. So all he can think about is trying to stay pumped and like, do I need to do 10 more pushups? Yes. He doesn't have, he's not. So when I'm like, is there any way you can get her off stage? He's like, I hear words, but I can't like, you know, he's in another, which I get we've, you know, it's a stressful, whatever. Yeah. So, and what are you going to do? Walk out on stage and be like, Hey, we need you to finish. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt folks. Like, you know, it's not going to be graceful. It's not graceful, but I get it. So I get out there and I do my big 25 minutes. Yeah. And they like it very much. <laughs> Talk about leaving wanting more. Yeah. 
And then, then we stayed. But what was amazing was the drag queen didn't even acknowledge that she had gone a full 35 minutes past her allotted 20 minute time. Yeah. And I wanted to go at your regular drag show. If you had a new drag queen come in and you said, okay, you're going to lip sync two songs and they did eight songs. Yeah. Wouldn't you be, when they came off stage, wouldn't you expect like it, it is the same exact yeah. thing. So I was kind of stunned that she didn't. Was this Helena? Yeah. And she Fuck. was very nice, but it was, and it was just an honest mistake. I was out there, the adrenaline, it was my first time doing stand up, and the right. crowd liked me and I just wasn't paying attention to time. It wasn't like she was manipulative and terrible. No. So whatever, you know, what are you going to do? And then no, she texted had the next that day. a bunch of times with the variety pack. Where yeah. People are supposed to do five and, and they do You know, 20. she texted the next day. It was so much fun. I can't wait to do a show with you again. And I'm thinking, should I write back and just say, hey, I'm not saying this in anger, but just, you know, since you're new to stand up, I do someone, you know, should always, you know, tell you that when you're the opener, your time is your time. And it's really, really bad form to go one minute over. That's just really not, you know, but then I was like, you know what, Tony, just go with God. Right. That, yeah. She was sweet. So I didn't, you know, decide to be the world's policeman for that one moment. So then uh, come back home and we had a few days here and then I'm back off to Boston. And we're going to shoot the reality show in Boston and Philly the same weekend that I happen to be doing my show in Boston. And I'm very excited to do the show in Boston because there's a drag queen that does Joan Rivers. Right. That, uh, that reached out to me and said, hey, what if I opened for you? And normally it's you opening for Joan Rivers, but in this city, Joan's opening act, Joan is opening for her opening act. And that's a kind of a gag. And I called Joan's office and said, hey is this something that's okay? Is this weird? And they were like, who's the drag queen? And I said his name and they're like, oh no, we love him. It's great. So I did it. So we get there uh, and I'm very excited because we have some couch potatoes that are going to be there. Right. Um, and uh, so Friday we do the show and it's great. And it's a wonderful show and they love it. And the audience is great. And I really like that Joan and her uh, boy boyfriend, her partner is the man who owns the club. Okay. And they're very, very nice. Both of them. And we go to, we sit and have dinner at the restaurant afterwards and, and uh, there was a director from Cirque du Soleil that had come to the show. That's and, you cool. know, I'm a big Cirque lover. Yeah, in Boston. So I was asking him all these questions, and he's like, well, we have a 4 o'clock matinee tomorrow. Do you want to come? And they I said, yes. They have a show in Boston? Yeah. Great. It's called Totem, okay. and it will be here in L.A. in January of 14. Wow. So um, okay. I got to see that, which was very nice That's of so him. That's so cool. Yeah, That's so right cool. up your alley. And uh, come back, and now we're going to do the second show, the Saturday night show. And I thought that Saturday had sold much better than Friday, but it was a slightly smaller audience, but that's fine. And uh, the couch potatoes that I was so excited about coming, turns out they had gotten a stomach bug right. and were very, very ill. They were at home doing Double Dragon. I know. So there was and no they way. they were devastated. Yeah. And they were very nice and they emailed and they were like, we know how much you talk about poop in your show and we don't want to be the people in the audience that then have diarrhea. That just no, would be too like on the nose. it's stealing your joke. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And so, you know, so... I was like, well, that's okay. Um, I'll, you'll, I'll be back to Boston because last night's show was so great. They can't wait to have me back. So you'll just come next time. Okay, I might not be going back, and here's why. Oh, boy. The Joan Rivers goes out on stage Saturday night, and I'm noticing that the audience is really not laughing very much. N not nearly like they were the night what, before. What kind of a place is it? Is it's it like a, a beautiful club? place called Club Cafe. Okay. And it, on the there's a full restaurant in the front and then there's a little piano lounge that is glassed in so they can be singing, but you don't hear, you know, right. And then, and that's free. And then there's the main, the showroom where they do shows at like eight o'clock. Okay. And that's where like Juju B performs and like all these RuPaul drag people okay. and Lily Tomlin did shows there back in the day. Like right. this place has been there forever. 
And then after the eight o'clock show, they take all the chairs and tables away and it's the dance floor and then it's the dance club all night. Okay. And it's a very popular club and I love it. So they're not really being as loud or excited an audience as they were on Friday, but I'm like, well, you know, who knows some, you know, maybe Joan is just a little bit off tonight. I mean, I can only hear, but she sounds funny, but you know, you just go, whatever. I'm sure it's no big deal. Every audience is different. You just yeah. never know. And I go and pee while she's on. I come back. She introduces me. I go out there. And of course, my the first thing I talk about is Joan Rivers, working for Joan and Joan's plastic surgery face and all yeah. these jokes. And I do the first joke about Joan's face. And the audience goes, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no. And That's I literally and I go, really? Yeah. Like, it was so stunning. And I was like, I shrug it off and I kind of laugh because I think it's funny that they're being so sensitive. And I do another joke and they go, oh, oh, and people start folding their arms. Uh-oh. And I go, Shit. okay, wait a minute, people. You know that's a man, right? Like, that's not the real Joan Rivers. We can talk about her. She's not here. She can't hear us right now. And they were like, oh. like, really, like. Yeah. How dare you make fun? And they were very much like, what a terrible person you are. You're talking about how Joan has been so good to you. And now you're making fun of her behind her back. Right. So I was like, oh, fuck. I got 52 more minutes because this drag queen is a pro and really did only 20 and didn't do 55 like I'm used to. Yeah. So now I'm out here. Now you wish. Now you come back. Helen Helen Handbasket. God damn it. Given. Oh, bring back the guy in the speedo. Yeah. Let them do another yeah. eat up thirty minutes of my time. So I'm a little I'm interested. I'm like, this is okay, this is an interesting dynamic. This is uncomfortable. And but then you know I love uncomfortable. I, I now I'm starting to laugh inside. You are a soldier of Because it's like when I bombed on the gay cruise. Yeah. And it was just me and Julie Goldman that were just understanding how hilarious yeah. it was and they'll never have me back. Well, this story is kinda like that. And so um there's a woman in the front row and she has big platinum hair and she's in the spotlight. And so what I'm trying to do, and she's yelling at the man next to her who's very, who's older. Right. And he, not angrily, but trying to get him to hear something. And he's not because he's busy trying to pay attention to me. And she's like, listen to me. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone is looking and we can all hear her trying to say something. And it's very awkward. And I can see everyone is looking at her. No one's looking at me. So I try to move like to the side of the little stage thinking the follow spot will follow me because that's why it's called a follow spot. Mm -hmm. And then she won't be in the light and I'll just write it out. But they've just opened the follow spot up all the way. And I don't think anyone was really like manning it. it. So I could. So she's full on lit from the waist up. Mm-hmm. Big platinum hair, and she's throwing her arms in the air, gesturing and pointing at the ceiling, and blah blah blah, and emphasizing. And her hand is like causing a shadow that's in my face. Like it was really, so something had to be said, Dennis. Something had to be said. Um, and so what I chose to say was what I always say was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. This isn't an AA meeting. We don't all get a turn to talk. It's just me." And the audience always laughs at that. And right. this audience went, "Oh." oh. <laughs> and I went, but. I'm, you know, I'll go ahead and tell him what you need to tell him. And then, I mean, like, I understand, like, sir, turn your hearing aid up. She's been trying to tell you for like 20 minutes and you're just not, oh, are you married to her? Oh, he's ignoring you, ma'am. He's probably been doing that for years. And I think that's like a safe, ha ha. Yes. And the whole room just goes. <sighs> and now people are leaning back in their chairs and I don't stop. I go, I'm just, you know, like. Oh, what about if you use the mic? Maybe then you'll be loud enough. Here, ma'am, you can use my mic. What is it that you want to say to him? And I put the mic in her mouth. And she goes, I can't believe you are trying to embarrass me. 
And I go, well, I can't believe that you're doing the fucking YMCA in the front row of my show. And then I look at the audience like, come on, that's a good one. Yeah, that's one, a good right? reference. YMCA, I get it because her hands. Yeah, and I'm with you. the whole audience is leaning back in their chairs, shaking their heads, going like, and then I'm like, oh, maybe they don't, maybe they're not hating me as much as I thought. Maybe they know something I don't know. Yeah. And so I just kind of drop it and move on. And now it's very uncomfortable. And her table is like eight people and they're dead center and they're very upset. And they have their phones out and they're texting and e doing emails and it's a very difficult. So now there's uh, four gay guys right down stage, right up by the stage, right on my right hand side. And that's where the, uh, the couch potatoes were supposed to be. But yeah. I talked to them before these guys before, and these were cool guys, even though they weren't couch potatoes. I right. like them anyway. And there are two gay guys in the back who uh, are Facebook fans of mine. And they're, so these six gay guys are laughing at everything really loudly. So I do a punchline and then the six people laugh. And then I look at them and we, the seven of us, do a second laugh at how we're the only people having any fun. And everyone else just thinks I'm the most horrible person you know, in the world. And there's an argument to be made for that. Uh, absolutely. So it was a nightmare, but also kind of sickly fun and whatever. So I get off stage and I say to the Joan Rivers, oh my God, that woman. And she goes, I forgot to tell you, it's the owner of the club's sister. And I introduced her during my set. I made her stand up. And so everyone in the audience knew that that was the owner's sister. And I forgot to tell you, she comes to every show and like gets drunk and, you know, ruins everybody's shows. I meant to tell you. And I'm like, yeah, you should have told me that. Oh my God. So now I'm like, oh God, that's the owner who I like so much. It's his sister. So I say, well, can we go find him? Cause I want to apologize to him and ask if I can apologize to her. And I don't think I've done anything wrong, but I just want to apologize. Cause it's the polite thing to do. Even, right. an, even an insincere apology has some value. Yeah. Right? No, it's I don't the whole know. thing you should do. So I say to the owner, uh, can I apologize to your sister? And he goes, yes, I really think that would be a good idea. Clearly not pleased with me. <laughs> But very nice, mm. being a total pro. Oh, mm. And so I get to the sister who's there with her her group of people, and I say, I'm sorry to interrupt you while you're eating, but I just really wanted to apologize to you. I really, you know, I thought I was being like silly and ridiculous with you, and clearly it didn't come out that way. And I think everyone in the room knew it but me, and I just really apologize. It was, I just really missed the mark. And, you know, this is an imperfect science when you're up there, and... And I, I completely bungled it. And I'm really, really sorry because I would never want to make somebody, you know, feel bad. And I know that I really made you feel badly. And I, and I am sorry. And she goes, you hate women. <laughs> and oh. I go, oh. and now it's like that thing where you kind of turn your head and stretch your neck like, oh, God, now I fucking hate you even more. Now I really want to punch you. But you're really going to make me work hard for this one, aren't you? And I just go, um, you know, I think you might be making a just a small leap. I don't think I really, I mean, you know, I was, I've worked in my entire life exclusively for women really. And I was raised by my sister and my mother and my niece is my favorite person in the world. I have her name tattooed on me. Like, I, I don't really think I hate women. And she goes, you know, I've marched in gay pride parades and my brother is gay and I love gay men, but gay men like you that think women are disgusting, you are a real problem and you have some soul searching to do. And then she sort of points in a circular motion at her groin, like at her genitals, yeah. and goes, you know, the fact that you think us women are so disgusting is something that you really need to do some examining and maybe in therapy and you need to figure out. And what I is go, she responding to? Is there a bit about where you what, talk about I mean, vaginas? I do. I talk about starter pussy and Angelina Jolie. I don't think vaginas have teeth anymore, but if anyone did, it would be Angelina Jolie, right? Yeah. Like, 
I don't think that's really woman hating, but whatever. And so she's like pointing at her. So I go, well, ma'am, to to clarify, it's not that hole that I had a problem with tonight. It was this one. And I point in her mouth. Oh, shit. And now a couple of her friends chuckle. Oh, my God. <laughs> a couple of her friends chuckle, which doesn't make it better. Yeah. And she's like, ugh. And, and I go, but anyway, I just wanted to apologize. And I'm really, really <laughs> now sorry. Now said that, I'm going to go back to I'm trying to apologize. You, keep, you didn't yeah. just do that and then take an exit? You keep talking? No, I'm trying to just like, <laughs> I'm going to just wrap it. I'm leaving on a fucking high note. And Dennis, if I knew when to quit, I would have cut my act four minutes in and never even got to the point where I yelled I at her. I can't believe yeah. you did that. This it's was not a this whole, night. It's not this whole. And you didn't turn on your heel. You're no, <laughs> because that would be woman hating. Then I was trying to prove that how much I don't hate women by insulting her vagina <laughs> and mouth hole. So I don't know. I've lo- it's this. Well, yeah, I it's, just was. I was. She sounds like a piece fault. of work. It's very and difficult so to know how to deal with that. I um. I say to the table. I would like to apologize to all of you. I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable when I was rude to your friend. I really. I you know. I was. I just really miscalculated, and it's entirely my fault. And I hope you have a better evening now that I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Well, thank you for coming to apologize, but I don't accept your apology." Who said that? The blonde yeah, woman. Yeah, the woman. Okay. And now. I just didn't know. What to, I went, well, I'm sorry. You know, it was literally like, well, who was the porn star that used to write, if you don't love me, I'm sorry? I think it was... Uh, like Savannah, Savannah, right? Yeah. It was sort of like when she... At that point, I just was like, well, I'm sorry yeah. that you don't accept my... Like, you know. What are you going to do? And so... There's nothing to do. Then I'm on a 5 a.m. flight the next morning yeah. to go to Philly. And we I meet down there at 6.30 in the morning. We shoot reality show all day. And then I get on a, a 5.15 train to new york city which i've never done and get there literally 10 minutes before alec mappa does his show baby daddy at 7 30. so i get to see alec mappa's show and it was a triumph and it was amazing and it was hilarious and i love it and anyone who's in a city where he comes to that show you've got to go and see Mm -hmm. it you've seen it a couple times right Mm -hmm. i think i've seen it just once but it's wonderful so 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 moving and then i was in new york um, until Thursday, but you also have some stories to tell. So I'll just well, stop. let me see. Well, well, I'm worried about your luggage. What happened to the luggage? Where did oh, you ca- of course. Where did it catch so up after with you? after the I stay for the drag show. Yeah, I now get back to my hotel. What at, city are you in? In Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, at one in the morning, and they had promised me that it would, my bag was going to come in on the nine thirty flight and be at my hotel by ten thirty. One o'clock in the morning, still no bag. I go into my hotel room, and it's a conference room that has a oval shaped table with 12 or eight chairs around it. And they've just pushed the table and the chairs off to the side and put a rollaway bed inside this room. And that's my hotel room. And this is like a really nice downtown Hilton. So I call the front desk and go, look, after the day I've had, this is not, I need a real bed. And they were like, we're really sorry. It's the only room we have and really embarrassed and blah, blah, blah. So I had to fucking sleep on the shitty rollaway bed. Holy shit. With no luggage. My bag didn't come until the next afternoon at two. And then I had to shower and leave at three to catch my flight back home. It was just, yeah, I've just had such nightmare oh my God. travel experiences. And then my flight back from New York, that the guy from number three numbers on it, yeah. that flight, that, um, that five-hour flight, I was on the plane for 11 hours. So you're going to hear about that coming up later in the podcast. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, why don't you just stay? People, folks should just stay home <laughs> if that's the case. Um, I want to talk a little about Outfest, which I enjoyed before um, I went away uh, to New York. 
Um, it was the 30th anniversary, as you know. And That's the, awesome. The uh, festival opened with a movie called Vito, which has been on HBO since then. It's yeah. about the activist Vito Russo. And my friend Jeffrey Schwartz made it. I watched it last night. Oh, did you watch it? Yeah, it was It's on, a good movie. Yeah, it was real good. Did you get a little it emotional? It clips along. It clips along. And he, Vito was in the thick of everything. Like every gay organization, whether it was ACT UP or GLAAD yeah. or whatever, he was like right there in the mix. He's sure. an amazing person. And my thing that I loved about him, my favorite thing that he says in the movie is that early on he's talking about realizing he's gay and that he never felt bad about it. And he always knew that the people that said there was something wrong with it were full of shit. He goes, I always knew they were full of shit. And why do some people, because I kind of never felt that bad either. I, and I always sort of knew they were full of shit, but why do some people, why do some young people have that? I knew they were full of shit, but it still really upset. It still upsets me to this day. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, even people, though I know it's, I never felt that bad. Are, yeah, that's and good. I don't know why some people do and some people don't. I don't. I think, I think environmental really, issues, but I think there's something else. But I also think some people really need to feel the approval of strangers and the world just at yeah. large, and other people have much more self. I don't know inner strength. It's a monitoring. Like, you know, I'm like okay. you have yeah. that. Yeah, you're a much more. But where does Content, it come from? Sort of, I don't know if your parents give it to you as a child. My dad didn't. My mom might have. Yeah. It's, I don't know. But I, I love when he says, I always knew they were full of shit. And I love at the end when they were talking about, you know, he's now dying and he's, they, he's, you know, he says to them, I don't want to be alone. I'm, you know, he's like going to die any yeah. day. And so they organize a 24 hour day people to just literally sit by his bedside. I think yeah. he was in, in hospice care at that point or at home. And you just eight hour shifts, just even if he slept the whole time, just so yeah. there would be someone there if he was awake. And, and he said to at one of the person, he's like, I just need you to just to touch me. Mm-hmm. Like he goes, I haven't been touched in so long. Well, I, um, I saw, and it wasn't like movie. a sexual thing. It wasn't no, like, no, he no. Was, but he was saying to this person who was a volunteer, time, just I just need you to touch touch yeah. me because he hadn't been touched by someone other than a doctor yeah. in a couple of years. It just, that just that broke my heart. I talked about that very point with um, the doctor that I've had a few dates with, who was in the thick of it during the AIDS crisis, and I saw him at the event. I didn't go with him, but I saw him there, and we talked about that. And he said that was very common; like nobody wanted, to, right. nobody would touch them. And so, and he sort of said that, looking at that, and he he goes, I think I probably have some p. TSD, post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder, from being on the front lines of that whole No thing. question. Um, and that movie brought a lot of that up. But um, my friend Jeffrey Schwartz made it, and I was so proud of him because being at Outfest and seeing him up there was like, it was like the guy, and we were sophomores a few years ago, and now he's like, it just felt like my my peers were really shining awesome. this year. Um, and uh, remember... Um, a couple years ago when Jeffrey came to Mismatch Game and recorded yes. people chanting Vito, Vito, we love you, Vito. Yeah. Because he needed a crowd to say that for the film, the, just for the sound. Because they're talking about when this really did happen. Yeah. And so when the people that have, are still alive are saying, and then he walked out and everyone was chanting Vito, Vito, and it was so surprising. Yeah. He needed the sound effect needed to be playing effect. to help illustrate the moment. Yes. So he called me and he said, I need a crowd. And, and I said, well, why don't you just bring a camera or a mic or whatever to the mismatch game and we'll have everyone do it. So mismatch is so irreverent. And this is such a, you know, yes. uh, serious movie or whatever. So 
we everyone's on board to do it fine so jeffrey comes up near the end and of course the panel by this point have been riffing and being irreverent so they're like show us your dick like they were really giving him a hard time and but it was cute it was funny oh you mean the mismatch panel yeah the mismatch panel i thought you meant at outfast oh no 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 he's presenting remember when he walked up on he's such because he's he's attractive he's cute and he's nice we wanted to see his dick dennis yeah But Look, if we're going like, to do looping for free, then I feel like it's appropriate to ask to see his... I didn't say show it to the audience. No. But, you know, I don't think he knew what he was in for. And he handled it with grace. I don't do ADR grace. work. No. You know, comp. That's true. That's another thing they do in the newsroom. Another thing, another expression they use this week, they talked about the bug. Yeah. And I love that people don't know what a bug is. Yeah. And now they're going to have to Google it and look it up. But when she's like, do you really want me to go on the air and lie with the ACM bug in the corner of the screen? Yeah. Because the bug is the little logo of the network that's in the lower right-hand corner when you yeah, watch Yeah, I didn't know that was called a bug until yeah, maybe bug. I knew. If it was on a multiple choice, I would have picked bug. Yeah. But anyway, we recorded the sound at Mismatch, and you hear it in the movie in this very poignant moment. But it came out of a – I felt very proud the, that we yeah. were a part of that thing. And speaking of activists, I was on a, on a subway with Larry Kramer when I was in New York. Just this wa- last week? Yeah. He, uh, after seeing a show, I was on the subway with him. Did he yell at you? No, and I wanted to say something to him, like, I saw you in this – my friend's documentary. Yeah. or I wanted to have a moment, but I was a little I – didn't, I didn't figure out what the moment was, and then he got off. But uh, – He's ca- he ca- had a cough, so well. Because I, I let me just say, let all. me just say he's that's not surprising. He's been and through it all, yeah. and I was, and also when we did radio with a twist, he was a little cranky with us. So I'm a little, I'm in awe of him, and yeah. I want to give him a shout out, but I'm also afraid that he would turn on me. Um, I got to meet a pod, uh, couch potato named Bob. Where in Boston? Who is the sweetest? Most lovely. Did he come wonderful. to your show? Yes. First and Saturday night or Friday no, night? No, the good, the real show. Friday. <laughs> uh, good. <laughs> uh, inter- interesting PS though. I got more Facebook emails from people that had been to the Saturday show and were like, that was so much fun mm-hmm. than from the Friday show. And the couch potatoes that didn't make it were like, all of our friends said it was great and really had a good time. So I, I really don't think that it was in my head. I don't think yeah. that I imagined how much the audience hated me, but Sometimes audiences are just quiet yeah. and having a pleasant time. Yeah. I, I don't fucking know. I can't make it. So maybe it wasn't, it. maybe, yeah. It was just That's as bad That's good, as I though. Thought. But then I'm glad that you met a couch potato. Yeah. Because uh, I yeah. haven't even said the word couch potato in a while. I forgot about it. There's so many out there. And I know. Uh, so that was Vito. And then another film I saw at Outfest was called Thank You for Judging. And it was about oral interpretation contests in high school. It was a documentary. Wow. Did you do that? A totally speech. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. What was your thing? Were you drama or humor? What you would do cuttings? I did yeah. this all in high school. I would. I would do drama. I did and a humor. bunch, and then I did duo acting. Yes, which was my category. That was my favorite because yeah. you could use props, right? And because for the regular readings, you can only have a, an index card, right? Uh, we laminated ours. I remember. Um, yeah, no, but we you could had have literally scripts. like one card. It was like a limitation of how much you could material, but that was all you could, and you had to hold it. Even if you had memorized it, right? which you really should, you had to hold the script, and there was like no moving, no yeah. props, no all costumes. You could do voices, but, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, it was a very specific kind of acting that's kind of useless, but I suppose it does prepare you to like yes. turn it on. If you're going to become a professional performer, and if you're not, it makes you comfortable speaking in front of a crowd. So For sure. And it also gives you... It's like every all those kids that are in that movie are now gay. Like it gives you, it gives the gay kid somewhere oh, yeah. to hang. It's, it was oh, like kind of sure. glee. There uh, was a lot of mutual masturbation. Yes, happening. 
I wasn't a part of it. Neither was I, I, but I remember going to speech trips and having crushes on the guys from other schools. Never from my school, but I was like, my earliest, some of my earliest, like, "Mm, I wonder what's going on with Ken or Kenny or whatever from Window Rock. I'll tell you, Dennis, he has a cough. (laughs) (laughs) Read into that, whatever you like. I don't know why the Saturday audience thought I was mean. I just don't know. I um, think I'm adorable. So anyway, this movie was produced by Michael Urey, who from Ugly Betty, and he mm. did all of that in Texas. So it's hardcore in Texas. Yeah. The rules are different. No scripts. They were totally off book. And they were doing crazy shit. But um, it was really well made. And it starts with uh, footage of him when he won state. Yeah. And I leaned over to Danny, my friend Danny Casillas, and I said, he made this movie just so he could show us all how good he was when it's he was in high school. It's literally like, he was an excuse of great. my Speedo pictures yeah. from when I was 22. Yeah, it's that. I was like, wow, he was really good. Yeah. Really good. And um, But then the, the movie introduces all these amazing characters, kind of like Spellbound. And um, afterwards, I asked a question. I said, I was so impressed with their emotional um, maturity. Yeah. Like they weren't, they wanted to win, but they weren't really fiercely competitive and they were there for each other and they were smart and because of the work that they do with the material, they're sort of sophisticated and grown up. And, I, and there was one point where um, somebody says, these are going to be our future leaders. And I had no doubt about it because right. it wasn't just their intelligence, but it was their emotional maturity. So I asked at the end, I said, in a lot of these docs, there's an asshole character, yeah. like in you know your pageants or whatever. There's always that mm-hmm. person. And I said, and your kids are all so impressive and emotionally mature. And he goes, no, there wasn't. We, we, you know, it would have helped if we could have. Yeah. Luckily, it snowed and the whole thing almost got called off. That's why we were glad we had a villain in the snow. But all those kids were amazing. So, and I started crying in it. I had such a catharsis. So, I knowing loved, that you've done that, I'm going to try to track down a copy of it because it was really good. I would love really to good. have asked uh, this question is for Michael Yuri. Yes. Um, Michael, question for Michael Yuri. Yeah, Michael, why? Why do you think you won state? Because that blonde girl was clearly better than you. Yeah, exactly. And he fun, would have asked, I know, question. it would be a fun question. The truth is, though, he, he, uh, yeah, I was no, he like, was oh, great. he won it. Yeah. It was kind of shocking. And then I saw this movie called I Want Your Love, which was a San Francisco movie. It's a drama, like a weekend in the life of these characters with hardcore sex, full-on uh, penetration, yeah. orgasms, close-ups, cum shots. And I got really creeped out by it. And I watched a fair amount of porn. Like I'm no stranger to these images or whatever, but there was something about it. And it wasn't just because of the emotional context. I think it's, you're not Fred Willard. You don't want to do it with a bunch of people around. It wasn't even that, you know what it is. And I'm, I'm going to own this. It's, it had that San Francisco aesthetic, which is very like, why have one piercing when you can have 17 and Uh why get one tattoo and you can have it on your whole body. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of, it was a little bit, a lot of, they that don't do stuff. less is more. They in don't the city do by the less bay. is more, no. but they're also kind of obnoxious about it. They're also like, if you walked in and said, oh, I don't have any tattoos, but I think they're kind of cute, but I don't have any. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like they really, Oh, like a Boston Saturday night audience. Yeah. Yes. They're a little no, bit totally. like, they're like they're we're gonna let, we're gonna let our freak flag fly, but if you don't have a freak flag, then you better get the fuck out. Yeah, they don't have time. Then you're you. the kind of freak we don't like. <laughs> we don't like you that can kind fly, of... <laughs> freak. It's a I little like that, and I could be projecting. But a... no, when I lived there, for but I've had year, friends that lived there and and really it took was a while like to every adjust. Every bar to that. was like this bar is for bears. Yeah, and uh, piss bottoms, no piss tops. Yeah, piss tops are over here, and there's drug meth heads, and and then this one is yeah. Uh, 
for black leather people only yeah. like the bars were so hyper specific and that was like do you do like you know like vanilla like i don't know what i what bar yeah. i would even be no no they were not having it so it, it, it had a bit of that in now it. i would just say well where's the chink bar yeah and i would be okay you'd be fine but this was before yeah. this, before this was in really, the 90s you really found that before i heard that certain gong in my ear right um, whatever by the way i haven't even been with an asian in like forever I know. so it's almost it's almost becoming like a hackney it's like joke remember when we were point. all into uggs it's yeah, like that it's sort of like that and then Asians, Asians are my palazzo pants. Yeah. <laughs> there was a they, period, there were a few years a where you couldn't get me out of them. Yeah. <laughs> you were in them all the time. Um, Whenever I was in one, I was thinking about getting in the next yeah, one. Yeah, I couldn't get in but, them enough. Uh, but now it just seems like, whatever, go ahead. And uh, I saw I Do, which my friend Glenn Gaylord directed, and it was a big night at the Ford. And that was, you know, again, oh, it was good. like one of my class members. Yeah, made that's good. exciting for him. But, um, that was the night I almost I started to get the boy blues because I went with the doctor mm -hmm. and uh, Rebecca joined us and Nadia came and um, well, I like the doctor. The problem, I like the doctor. Yeah. And you then, can't bring two girls on your date. Well, no, but it was all it's the way Doesn't it all matter. came together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, but it didn't really heat up at the end. Look, and I as thought someone who hates women, let yes. me just tell you, <laughs> you needed to call those fish and say back to the sea. Right. I've mm. got a date. Go ahead. I can. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't really heat up at the end, although it might still, I don't know, maybe. And I was a little disappointed because I thought maybe this one's got something or whatever. And then I went to the after party and a guy that I know that I used to have a really huge crush on was there. And um, we caught up. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he's now, you know, met somebody and they've been together like a year. And he was telling me about their love story. And I was, you know. I don't want to hear that. I know, but for some reason I did. Like I was oh, okay. talking, I was trying to be very like pro love story and mm -hmm. who said I love you first. And they, he told me all about it. And I, I could like, I'm, I'm like feeling the boy blues coming on. I could feel them a little, but uh, I try, I kind of shook them off. I shook them off, I think. And my friend. That's it? No. No, you better have some fucking boy blues right now. I could feel them coming on, but I kind of shook them off and. Mm. I had dinner with my friend Jim Coode, who mm -hmm. is an editor, and he worked on my films, and he also edited I Do, which is his first feature, and he did a great job, and he's great. And I was telling him I kind of had the boy blues, and I talked you know, a little about this, and I was like, because it feels like a little riddle. I want to solve this riddle or whatever. And he said to me, he goes, you're really sweet. I was like, thank you. I know. And he goes, no, that's, people don't, they don't, guys like in other words i think he's like i don't mean it as a compliment no it, he did mean it as a compliment but he was also sort of like i don't know i like i i uh sometimes i think gay guys are really messed up or whatever but in general i'm like yeah people are people and you know whatever but i think there's a lot of people that don't know what to do with that or don't feel um uh I don't know what I'm trying well, to I say. Well, I think being around someone who is smart and kind and bright and sweet makes a lot of people realize that they aren't those things, but they pr pretend to be. Well, there, and also, the, or there's a lot of role playing, a lot right. of like imaging so, and a lot of mask wearing and all that stuff. And he, he sort of, it was just nice that it, that friend at that moment, from that point of view, sort of articulated that in a way. It just, it kind of shook off the boy blues. Because I think, 
in solving this riddle of why I don't have more um, romantic and sexual connections in my life, I thought it was because of something I lacked, that I don't have X. But I think it's not. I think it's partly, maybe. But I also think it's because of something I have, which I like, which I want, which is good. So I just got to calm down and uh, not give up. Well, for sure, don't give up. Absolutely. <laughs> so that so we shook them off. All right. And then I saw. Well, they landed on me. They the so, boy blues. Yeah, you shook them right yes, down the hall. I don't even remember who, um, where we were at our last podcast. Well, I was talking about this guy David that I would right. have been so excited about, and I was sort of like, that's weird because I have these trips planned to sort of see these other guys. Like I had this New York trip to see this guy in New York who who I like very much, and then I leave in a, an hour to go to Vegas. Uh, to spend some time with the the dancer, you know, right. who's in town from Mexico. That's right. And both of these were planned over a month ago. Right. Like, you know, and then I meet this guy three weeks ago, and I already have these trips planned. And, you know, first date, you always figure this guy's going to reveal what's wrong with it. You know what I mean? There's probably not going to be a second date. He's going to not like me or I'm not going to like him. Right. And or then we have, like, you know, three or four dates, and it's, like, really, like, I'm really – you know how you get distracted by someone in, the, yeah. in that good way. You're like, so oh, like, yeah. I could, I could, this has but, something. Um, There's something here. But yeah, but so no, but that, it, 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 it's over. He, Are we sure it's over? Well, I, I, I don't know. You're never sure. Do you want but, it to be over? Um, I want him to not have, you know, pulled what he did. Whatever. The point is, he from the start was as very, he's very shy. It's very difficult for him to talk about his feelings. And, you know, it's not hard for me. Duh. And so um, I knew that going in and I, you know, it's sort of, I like shy quick i like those that's a difference that it can be charming but that also doesn't you don't just get to say well look i'm really shy and then never try or participate for the right. whole you don't get to say that once at the first date right and then just fucking figure you're covered for the rest of, like you're gonna have to try to work on that and if you really do then have a fondness for me or the other person you know in the relationship like you need to try to work on that and you need to make attempts to get over that difficulty with communicating talking about your feelings because otherwise you're just like oh yeah i i know that you know i have yeah it's like i a have get cancer out of but i'm just card. not going to do anything about yeah. it like, like well, I can, yeah i don't have to so um so whatever so i've been very good about you know i really like you and you know i'm sorry that i have these trips planned and he didn't know that they were like to see other people or whatever but right. i also didn't not you know what i mean and right. so it's still early you shouldn't course. have had to and yeah. he just texted when i was on the plane coming back from new york um, since we had uh, two and a half hours on the ground before we took off after waiting an hour for the plane to, you know, got delayed already. Then we get on the ground and sat there for two and a half hours before we took off. So we were allowed to text. And um, he was like, can I ask you something? And because I was like, I'm going to I'm going to see you. I was like, tonight, do you want me like I landed eight? Do you want, you know, want to do something? And then it was like, well, now I'm getting it at 930. OK, now we're in at 10. You know what I mean? But like, we could still maybe have a drink, like whatever. And then it was like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to see you tonight. And he goes, I want to ask you something. And I was like, you can ask me anything, anytime, of course. And he's like, are we, are we seeing other people? And I was like, well, you know, it's only been three weeks. Yeah. I think that it's probably a little too soon to put the pressure of exclusivity on a relationship. But once I get back and, you know, I have no more travel, I'd like to really see each other more than just once a week. Like I'd really like to turn the heat up on this and see, what happens because I could, you know, I think that that's a talk that we could have, you know, in a few weeks, I think that would be really exciting. And I would love to see where this goes because I really can imagine this being something really great. 
which I, I, I feel like that's not a cop out or a dodge, but yet it's right. also, yes, we're still allowed to see other people, but I'm hopeful for, I feel like that's honest and yeah, you know, that's not reasonable. That's just, not unreasonable. He just wrote back. Okay. Well, when you know what you want, get back in touch with me. Bye. And then I was texting and he wouldn't text back and I called and he wouldn't answer and I'm on the plane, so I can't really, you know. So then over the next four days, I kept leaving messages like, would you please call me? I really feel like you're angry, and I don't know what I did wrong, and, you know, let's talk about this. Like, let's get to – and he wouldn't call me back. And then I was Ugh. like, look, I have to go to this wedding in San Diego, and I don't like weddings. Weddings really – I just have to admit that I am too petty or insecure or still hung up on Jay or or Eric or I don't know what, but, like – I can't do a wedding. That's it is a trigger for me. That's mm-hmm. what that's an AA term. But yeah. like the day before, and I'm going to San Diego and it's gonna be fun and Matea's gonna be there. I was like, man, it was like I knew, oh, I should not be going to this one. Like this is bringing up all kinds of sad, ugly, you know. So I mm-hmm. called him and I was like, please don't make me go to this wedding thinking that you're mad at me. Like I just really, you know, nothing. And so then I go to this wedding and it, ugh, weddings are just like the war. And I want us, I like them both. I like my stepsister and her, her now husband Rex. They're so cool. And they've come to my shows and I adore them and they're great. And, but, oh God, I was just like literally just biting my lip and just like fucking getting through the, could not and they're get long. The weddings are long. Yeah. It's a whole, but whatever. I did do something really dumb though, because then, you know, my steps, my stepsister looks so pretty and. It was a very pretty wedding and whatever on the roof at five o'clock sunset, San Diego, beautiful. And, um, two years ago when we taped my, uh, Tony to play, I shit my pants special when I turned mm-hmm. 40 and I had that little comedy special, um, Kelly came and she had just met this guy and she was like, I think I'm going to marry this guy someday. Like, I really think this is the one. And she started crying. It was just me and my sister and Kelly, um, having a, a drink and, um, and she was like, I can't ever have a wedding because her mother always thought that my mother was like the other woman that her dad started having an affair with. And that was the story that her mother back in Texas had always told everyone back in Texas. And even though the truth is my mom and Walter weren't having an affair and they were set, Walter had left her. He'd, they were separated. He'd moved from Texas to Arizona. Right. But that's her narrative. And because of that, they would never be in the same room. And so she was like, I can't have my mother and my father at the same wedding. I don't get to have my father walk at me down the Your aisle. Your mother was or the I Angelina get... Jolie. Yes. And so I'd never met the mom. And so, you know, I brought, I brought my mother here a month ago to do the face work so she could feel good about meeting the mom for the first time. And mom looked great. And it was, you know, she was, she was really good. She knew her place was just to be Walter's arm candy, but then stay the fuck out of the way when he had other things, you know, family right. stuff to do. Right. So after the wedding, Kelly's still doing pictures with the bridesmaids and stuff. And I end up being sort of next to her. And she's like, Tony, thank you for being here. And, and, and she introduced me to her mom. And I go, I, I'm finally meeting you, you know, after all these years. And the mother was beautiful and very nice to me. And I start crying. And I go, I'm so excited. I'm so happy for Kelly because I remember two years ago her, and I should not have been saying this to the mother, but I go, I remember her saying, I think this guy Rex, I think I'm going to marry him. And she started crying because she's like, I can't have a wedding with my father walking me down the aisle and my mother there because of all the history. And I'm so proud for Kelly that everybody was able to just put whatever aside and we could have this really beautiful day for her. 
Which I do still think that's a nice sentiment, and maybe that's not the most appropriate thing to, to say as a first thing, but I don't think that's in any way blaming the mom or being attackful, but the mother was clearly very um, displeased by that and thought that, you know, it clearly made her feel like I was calling her a jerk, which I really wasn't. And so she kind of was like, oh, it's so lovely meeting you. And, you know, in that Texas way where I knew I had upset her, but she was being very gracious. And the bridesmaids heard the whole thing and they were like, that was so sweet. And oh, my God. They were like, one of them goes, I had forgotten about that, Kelly. Like, that's right. You never thought this was possible. What an exciting day. And then it was it became this really happy moment. But uh, the PS to the story is Kelly texted me uh, last night and said, by the way, I know you felt like what you said to my mom, you know, hurt her feelings or something. But um, now that it's the next day, she understood what you meant and she thought that was really sweet of you oh, and it showed great. how much you care about me. So, yeah. So it ended up being okay, but. Wow. But I know, you right? You really painted a picture. I was right there. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, yeah, no, I loved it. It was just it. the most horrible day. It was just terrible. Um, but, the, you know. Was the food good? It was. It was really good. Good. Um, Let me see what else I got here before yeah. I go to New York. Oh, so um, other movies that I saw. Um, I saw... Bear City 2, mm-hmm. and I didn't see Bear City 1, so I was a little lost. Well, but um, I followed it fine. But I have to confess, I was sitting next to this guy, Philip, who uh, I don't know super well. He's he's a friend, and he's part of this group of guys that I see, you know, here and there. And and um, neither of us are bears, right? And we started getting kind of the church giggles when you when you were there's something about the story and the the depiction that made me that tickled me but not in the right way and i was like what do you mean where there was just so many bears in it and and it was it made me laugh at the largesse of it all you know like seeing a whole bunch of bears on screen in one place it kind of gave me the giggles in a way that i'm sure bears would not appreciate but i i don't know what i was what made me laugh? Like at one point they're like, oh, and we'll see you later at the phone party. And I'm like, phone party? And Philip's like, get ready, girl. And it just made me laugh. Yeah. And then there's a, first of all, every bear in, in the world is in this movie. Like it's a cast of a thousand bears. And they clearly raised a lot of money by getting people involved in it. And at the end they showed a lot of pictures of people that donated, which is really cool. It's a movie for, by, and about this community, which is great. And, um, but like halfway through, so a character would appear on screen and I would be like, have we met him before? Is this a new character? <laughs> did he just write a check? Or, or did we see him in the beginning? Yeah. Because there, there's a lot is of bears. Is he one Yeah, like I I think, oh, I was like, is that the guy that was at the by the boat? Oh, no, it's new. He's new. Okay, great. I'm on board. He's new. But it was, you know, it was a fun movie and there's, Stephen Guarino's in it and he's, his timing is unbelievable. And Kathy and Jimmy was in it. But I did get the giggles in a, in a way that I still don't know what it was about, but I don't. Kathy and Jimmy was on Chelsea lately promoting that movie this week. Really? And it Fantastic. just seems like amazing that she looked great. A, a, too. a little gay indie, yeah, would be allowed to be promoted on Chelsea, Chelsea like that. You know, I thought that That's was right. kind of cool. And I mean, I know Kathy has been famous a long time, but it's not yeah. like uh, I thought that was nice. Yeah, and she's funny in it, and Gerald McCulloch is in it, uh, and he's a great actor yeah. and a friend of mine. He's good. He's really good. It was fun. I enjoyed it, but I, it did take me a, a yeah. moment to get used to the world. I of think it. Jason Stewart's in it. He is. He plays a dick in it. 
No. No, he plays a real dick in it. He has a scene and he plays a dick in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. How come um, you didn't say he's a really good actor? He's convincing in this part. <laughs> it's good. He was at some Q&A. I was at at Outfest. And, oh, it was after boy shorts. And they were a lot of shorts about teenagers and stuff, which you see a lot. And he was like, why don't you make roles for anyone over 40 or whatever? And I think everyone is up there saying, make your own fucking movie. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know, he made he made their movies about him. But anyway, um, I had another thought about Bear did you, City. Did you see Something Real, that movie that Guy Schlein I made? I have seen it. I don't know if I saw the final cut. I, yeah, okay. I have seen it, but I did not see it. Yeah, it competed against something it. else. Right. Um, but I think it was well received. So then you went to New York, right? I did go to New York. Um, I did go to New York. Um, I saw Rock of Ages, Ghost, Once, and Clybourne Park. I saw uh, my friend Scott's show in the Hamptons, which is called Men's Lives. Yeah, that's so that's uh, Which was so fun to see and cool. And, um, and tell I, him the compliment he got. I forgot what it was. The, audience, the famous person came to the show. Oh, uh, Linda Lavin yeah. came to the show. And Blythe Danner came to the show. And they were both very complimentary to it. Right, because didn't Linda Lavin say the whole time I was watching you... Well, I think what Scott said was he had seen her in The Lions, and he goes, I can't remember how he said it, but the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, how does she do it? I can't believe it. And she goes, well, I saw the same thing about you tonight. And, you know, which Ugh, is, that is awesome. Yeah, he was very, he's like, I, whether or not it's true, I'm going to take it. Of and course, put it in my that purse. is fantastic. Yeah. That is. So I saw Men's Lives, which was interesting because it was a, a play written about fishermen who lived in that area where they were performing it, mm. but it was also sort of about how the rich people came and kind of fucked everything up for everyone. So it was kind of a play that was indicting its audience, um, but it was well done. And well, I'm and all for that. Not, yeah, it was, in, it was curious. Sounds um, like Romney's European trip. I know. All he had to do was go to the fucking Olympics and say, <laughs> and I smile. love the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, they did a great I job. Know how, I know how hard it is, and right. I'm so impressed with everything that I'm seeing here. And I wow, hope they got the has queen to jump out of a plane. That's Bravo. fucking great. Great, great, it's, great. Even it was I a could no find brainer. something nice to say. Yeah. It was in his wheelhouse. Like, it would remind God. people that he did the Olympics good yes. or whatever. He... Well, someday we're going to find out what he's has finesse at or has any flair. I know. It's really, really shocking. I mean, even George Bush, when they say you want to have a beer with him, you kind of do because he'd probably be good at having a beer. He'd I don't be know. damn good at having a beer. I, know, yeah, I don't like a know family what member. Mitt Romney's thing right. is. But Mitt Romney would not be fun to sit and have a beer with. Parcheesi? No, sure. Maybe Parcheesi? Sure. I don't know. Anyways, um, so and then, and then I saw Dogfight, which is a musical based on the 1991 movie with Lily Taylor and River Phoenix, and it's off Broadway, and the reviews were pretty good, and I liked it very much. The music is good because mm-hmm. so many times with new musicals, you're yeah. like, great actors, great voices, interesting story. Mm, didn't like the songs. That's kind I of really the problem like with the Ghost. I wanted yes. to like the songs more. Yes, you don't like the songs, and I like the music in this a lot. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Maybe it'll get a little bit, uh, but it's, it moved me. I liked it. And then I saw One Man, Two Governors. On, oh, uh, we haven't talked behest. about this. Yes. And I, it reminded me of London Pub Night on the cruise ship. It had yeah. that same silly British but anything goes. isn't that guy just such a master of that style of yeah, he's being, great. making fun of people but not hurting their feelings yeah. and rolling he with whatever get the away audience. with anything. Yes. And also you know it was it felt really inventive because a lot of the things that seemed improvised uh, on retrospect were probably not of course but the way that they must have discovered that that would be funny 
must have taken some exploration because right. they're and not the, the way they, they the make obvious the jokes. stuff that is rigged to happen. Yeah, yeah, the way they do it is so you really don't until it's way too late. It doesn't occur to you that this could be planned or yeah. faked somehow, and and it's, it just elevates to this insane level. And then after you have, because it wasn't one of the biggest shocks you've ever had in a theater with the fire extinguisher. Didn't you just really just absolutely like I literally thought my heart was going to just fall out my butt. Yeah, it was very. Shocking. And that's when I went, oh, wait oh, a minute. Yeah. But, you know, you really think that this has yeah. to just be an audience member that is yeah. really gone rogue or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, you don't want to give anything away. But, yeah, it's super. I enjoyed it's it. It's so and the music, perfectly there's some done. fun music in it, fun characters. I love that actor that was do all his weird poses. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah they it were was bananas. silly. It was really and the silly. Old man fun. coming up the stairs. There's this young guy that plays an old man who's supposed to be like a hundred. And the gag is every time he tries to walk up this flight of stairs, he like almost gets pushed, knocked over, and then falls down the stairs. He yeah. must fall down that flight of stairs twenty times in the show. I'm like, yes, Ugh. and it and you look at it and it looks like he's falling face first, but there you know there's stairs there because the next time he goes down there's stairs. Right. Like, it's a little bit like how is that happening? It's awesome. I love um, it. That really is one of the best shows in town. Oh, I uh, I met a guy. I told you the story in New York, but I'm gonna share it with the podcast people and make it quick. I met a guy opening out of Outfest um, named Mark, and I thought he was cute. Whatever. His real name is Mark. Ish. His real oh, name okay. is Mark Ish. <laughs> it's, it's reminiscent of Mark. Uh, and uh, I thought it was cute or whatever, but he was with another friend. I didn't really push it. Um, but then I saw him turn up in my quiver on OkCupid, or OkCupid, uh, which means they think they pick three people every week, and they think, you should check these dudes out, whatever. Right. So I'm like, okay, I've met him once. I, I'm going to explore this. So I reached out to him and said, you know, um, chatty chat chat or whatever nice meeting you whatever and we might have coffee or whatever but while i was in southampton seeing my friend scott's play i was in the audience and i got a facebook message from him a friend request which means oh cool he's thinking about me or whatever that's cool that's a cool step and of course when that happens you immediately start going through all their pictures because you want to see what they look like and what their life's like and just whatever and what they look like yeah and what yeah (laughs) and what they look like (laughs) From the side or exactly, with the shirt, with no shirt on, on or, yeah, at the beach. Yeah, whatever. Oh, fun. And yeah. um, I couldn't – it was so slow. I couldn't get any service. And I just saw, like, the small versions of all the pictures. And I saw one with it looked like girls in dresses, like short, slutty dresses. And I thought, I wonder if he did drag. So I picked on that. And the picture itself wouldn't load, wouldn't load, wouldn't load. And the, it was getting ready for the curtain to start. But the caption at the bottom of the picture said, Starlet or Streetwalker. Which is a game, of course, on Fashion Police, right. which I had a large hand in conceiving. That's right. And so there it was in this dude's phone. He didn't know. He doesn't know. But I just thought that was a weird... Oprah Oprah could make sense of what that meant. That's an aha moment, Dennis. It's an, it's an aha moment or a full circle. Sometimes a full circle moment... It might moment, just be a Gail Get Me a Sandwich a- moment. <laughs> but it's a goddamn moment. It's but a, it, sometimes sure. can, a, can a full circle moment also be an aha moment? I think it can. I and don't that see why not. More, exactly. I think once you come first circle, you probably say, aha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let me see what else I have. Uh, I saw those shows. Oh, and then um, on the on the plane ride back home, um, I was on my iPad. It's I'm new to the iPad, and I was on Facebook, mm. and there was my messages, and then there, when you open your messages, there's a other or something. Right. I don't. I never knew what that was. Oh yeah, that's it's like a spam. Yeah, it's like box a spam thing. People 
But a lot of times there are people that are really trying to contact you. And a lot of times it's just some woman from Thailand. A lot of times it's my friend's show or whatever, you know, which is fine. I didn't know that box existed. Okay. And so I'm going through it and there were some people who had listened to me on Sirius Radio and they were like, we love when you host or whatever. It was very nice. But like from eight months ago, I never knew this box existed. Of course. And then there was one guy in there named Matt who emailed me out of the blue in October last year. Or Maddish. Maddish. Okay. Maddish. And these um, are at least better code names, I have to say, than like calling him Denver. Yeah. So I applaud you. You know, some are fun. Um, So Maddish. Maddish, I met in the mid 90s at Oil Can Harry's. Yeah, I remember it. Do you remember this? No, I remember Oil Can Harry's. Okay. I used to go country dancing there a lot. And there was this guy there one night, and he. Was the handsome? You know when you kind of look around a room and you're like, oh, he's the handsomest one here, or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was the handsomest. He was that that night, and he asked me to dance, and we were dancing. And he goes, "I want you to come home with me tonight." He just fucking yeah. said it, and no one had ever People been do that, that direct. No one, do had, that. no one had ever been that direct with me in that way, and um, and so I did, and I remember it was super foggy and driving in the fog, and he lived in fucking Thousand Oaks. And he basically said, you know, this isn't going to mean anything. This is, he kind of did that thing of like, this is just whatever it is. We're going to have sex. Or, yeah, it doesn't, this isn't about anything else. And then halfway through the whole thing, he's like, you know, I I take that back. This could be whatever. And so we went on a few dates and I was really into him. He was, um, I remember he lent me an Armistead Maupin book and, but it didn't, it fizzled, and I remember thinking, oh, what a dick, and I don't remember why. Right. I, he did a dick move, whatever it was, if he just blew me off right. or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I get this Facebook message from October in this secret box I didn't know existed, and he was basically – I should read them. I think I, you have a couple of boxes that you don't know exist, Dennis. I know. That I box and my anus. The secret box Dennis <laughs> didn't know existed, I think, is the title of this podcast. The secret box Dennis didn't know existed. Yeah, I really feel like yeah. we found it, folks. Yeah, exactly. It only took us an hour and nine minutes, but we got there. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait to see what else you the, discover. The funny thing about the secret box Dennis never knew existed is that because of that, he reached out to me as kind of like, hey, I still think about you, and I think I made a mistake. And Oh, I love that. But the problem was, because I couldn't respond to him. Which is he was, perfect. He would send another one. Oh, that came out weird or whatever. I, didn't I mean love to, it. I would start up again romantically. I just think I treated you cavalierly, and I think about yes, that sometimes. Yes, like, keep talking. And I, I didn't know it, but I was like playing hard to get. Which worked. Which, it's the only way it's going to work is if I don't know I'm doing oh. it. And... Um, so I saw these emails. Don't you want to know what else has been happening in your box that you didn't know anything about? That exactly. <laughs> that was the that was the big headline of the. It's box, your second sphincter. The secret box. Um, Dennis didn't know existed. That's I want to write amazing. it down. Yeah, now that's fantastic. Because when I go to do the titles, I sometimes forget it. Uh, so and then I I reach out to him and we're gonna have coffee or whatever on Saturday. I but I don't wait. think he's aged as well. I don't think he's as cute as he used to be, and. Um, I feel what like, happened to sweet Dennis? How come an hour ago it was like you're sweet, and now well, you're like well, I don't know. I'm just being honest <laughs> because you know. I feel like first he might all, have a cough. I feel, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and also yeah, like I don't know. No, I get it though. I understand. Like that you, was almost twenty years ago. Wow, what a story! You know, though. and um, I've had that a few times with guys where they're like. 
where they get a certain age and they're like, oh, fuck, why? That guy was nice. Why didn't I? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've had yeah. that a handful of times. Why did I go to all those circuit parties? Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm, a, I'm that guy that, oh, you're, yeah, I've had that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're not, um, you know, you're, you look all right because you haven't been doing drugs all your life. And- I'm a lot of guys regret, um, but in a different way. In what way? A lot of guys regret that they did me. Um, but you're do a, they, you, no, a lot they of guys don't. regret that they, they didn't. Don't. No, no, I was being silly. Yeah. Um, but some audiences. <laughs> you have a problem with women. You hate women. Um, let me see. You know so, what? Well, yeah. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap we it can, up. I've got some, a few other things on here that we can. Oh, we talk, we, baby Liam. We got so to see cute. baby Liam. He's a superstar and our friend That's Aaron Aaron's and Chill's chill. baby. Seven weeks old and he's got that fat baby yeah. body but really skinny little arms and legs. And I was trying to squeeze some of the fat from his tummy up through his shoulder onto his – I was like, I want you to have fatter arms. So yeah. This is your time. You're giving him a makeover? Well, no, because this is your time. Yeah. You don't get to be fat. You don't get to be – like, enjoy this. Yeah. Enjoy it, Liam. He because seemed in to an me instant, like a you're kid. You're going to be wanting your swimsuit body. He seemed like – you know, some kids, I don't know, I don't spend a lot of time around babies, but you kind of, I would look at him and wonder what he was thinking. Like, he's for he sure felt thinking like, stuff. Yeah. He's, he felt like he had like a, I was like, are you thinking stuff from where you came from before that right. whole pre existence, whatever? And like, no, he's a baby he, that makes you thinking, think. Wait, there's a box on Facebook that that's you don't not know your about? inbox? Yes, I didn't know and about it. He didn't know either, Dennis. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. So, baby Liam was enchanting. And Aaron and I, I went out to Garden City and we, um, had a little lunch, and then we were on the main drag there, and there's a store that I'm obsessed with called Things and Stuff. Oh, shit. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll go to store for things. Yeah, but and you you're like, even, I, I need look. stuff, too. Yeah. And they now you have, have to go hair. to another store. Yeah. But they have things and stuff. Wow. I think that really covers it. Well, My I friend guess. said, what if they had things and stuff and beyond? That's a lot. Well, you would need more, you would need more real yeah. estate. Yeah. That's, you know... You could have a super things and stuff. <laughs> super, super things and stuff. And that would be like... Super things and stuff and more, etc. cetera. Oh like, God. I'm yes. just obsessed with things and stuff. Well, because I... it really tells you they might have boats in there. Like, <laughs> they you could really, have anything. You don't know what they're selling at all. Yeah. And so there's no... Hey, we didn't make any promises. Look around. Do you see stuff? <laughs> Do you see things? <laughs> yep. Well, then quit bitching. Yeah, but you could have been... Things could have been fine. Yeah. But they're not... There's not enough. I know, but you're out of frosted mini-wheats. Yeah, but you know what we do have? Wrenches. All right? Yeah. So fucking, so quit your bitching. Yeah. Because it's not called Frosted Mini Wheats and Wrenches. Yeah. It's called Things and Stuff. (laughs) And if you fucking turn your eyes around, you're going to see a lot of what? Things and a lot of stuff. So shut up. I just want some long, look, you came here to Things and Stuff. Like I yeah, I but I was that. hoping you would have uh, what this thing I was looking for, but apparently you don't have it. I'm sorry, I I misread, oh. I misunderstood. Maybe you should check out Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm why. obsessed with things and stuff. Things and stuff is good. So, but here's the other thing: Baby Liam is adorable. And so on my last morning before I flew out from LA, I met Matt uh, Matt Moline, and we went to my favorite place in New York, um, the Highline Park, which I'm a, I love it so much. I. I just go there and I'm in awe of how cool it is and whatever. And that's the park that is all on the, the railroad tracks. Yeah. Have you ever been? I've seen it. God, it's neat. I love it. And so we walked along the Highland and I'm just always in awe of how 
neat it is and what a triumph of imagination is. And of course I bought the book and I'm reading the book and I think it's two gay guys that sort of started that ball rolling. Sounds about right. And, and I'm all about, exactly. And let me tell you something, stuff, fuck, fucks thing in his ass <laughs> like you have no idea he stuffs but I don't think things they're, a, they're not a couple no, no, they just, met it like it a wasn't a thing yeah, yeah it's not a thing I like it's it. just like after oil can't hear it so anyways um matt and moline and i are basking in the uh wonder of the highline and how much i love it and i can't believe how much i love it and every time i come i love it more oh my god i'm gonna i so i became a member I'm bad my you know I was buying my book about it and they're like if you want to become a member it's $40 and you get a discount and it supports the programs here and I'm like you know what I'm going to put my money where my love is cuz I think I I love it that much and I'll get an email and it reminds me about it and so of course that email might go to a certain box that you don't even know about I know. but <laughs> theoretically yeah and so we're standing there and they have like I bu- I bought my Highline shirt and they have these Highline onesies and I'm thinking Maybe I should get a onesie for Liam, but I don't really love the design. And the girl goes, oh, do you know a little boy named Liam? Liam? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. And he goes, well, we have a children's book for you. And it's a children's book about a little boy who kind of envisions the High Line, and his name is Liam. That is so neat. And I was able to buy it with my discount because I'm a member of the High Line. And I'm going to give it to Erin the next time she's out here. And That's good. isn't it cute? Like, and it's a really good way to tell parents that they need to teach this little fucker to read. Yes. They need to stop slacking. He's seven yeah. weeks old. He yeah. doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I like that. I like the subliminal. I just love that there's a book. So I'm all about it. Anyways. Things and stuff. Oh, that's good. I think that's pretty much it. Well, you guys. Oh, uh, I met an, I had a romance. Fuck. Long story short, met a guy on Scruff. Yeah. On, uh, on s- in New York. Friday morning. Yes. Friday morning on Scruff. He woofed at me. He uh-huh. was cute. I woofed back. And we chatty, chat, chat. Uh, do you live here? You know, do you live in L.A.? What, you know, small talk. Nothing overtly romantic or sexual. And I said, well, I'm about to go to Garden City, but um, I'm going to grab a coffee in the neighborhood if you want to say hello. If you want to come out and sniff my ass. So we said hello at the um, Foragers Coffee Shop. His name is Marcelo, and he is a Brazilian house painter. Mm-hmm. But he might move from um, New York. Yeah. And uh, then I, I went to a, a thing that night, and then I met up with him afterwards for a little romance, a little wow. yogurt. Nothing super hot and heavy, but it was kind of nice. But a, a yogurt nice... and a makeout? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Love that. I love yes. that with the Brazilian. With the Brazilian guy named Marcelo. <laughs> I support that. With a that. really nice smile. I say woof to that. I know, right? And you don't know. I don't like woof, but I woof. You support I woof? woof that, yeah. yeah. Oh, girl, get ready. And if, he, if, he, if you fucking <laughs> tell me that it's the winter of woof, oh, I'm, I'm moving out. The winter out. of I'm woof telling would you, be good. No, I'm laying it down. I will pack boxes. Yeah. And move out That's it. That would be a deal, bro- deal breaker if it's I... the winter of woof. I'm going to put that into contention. No, you better not. You goddamn better not. The winter of woof would be... It's not happening, Dennis. <laughs> so don't even All think right. about what it would be. There, never mind. But it would be—it would be the end of a twenty-five-year friendship. Right? That's what it would be. <laughs> but it would mean like go out and grab what you want. I get it. Oh, Jesus, and I can't it, believe I just pitched a fucking. I know you pitched a, a theme. theme. <laughs> uh, normally, all I pitch is fits. <laughs> all right, that's oh mismatch game this weekend. Yes, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday at eight. Sunday at seven. Tony's doing both shows. The it's going to be great. Uh, Willem, post RuPaul's Drag Race fame, is going to be in both shows. And a great, uh, both casts are great. And you can learn about it on Facebook at Dennis Hensley's The Mismatch Game. And just come. It's going to be great. And then we're going to do a live podcast on the 12th, Sunday the 12th. Is that yes. a Sunday? Sunday the 12th. At the 12th. celebration. And um, 
next time we'll have the 12th exact time. Of September. I think the doors open around seven seven thirty. September or August? 12th August. Of, oh, twelfth of, of August. August. Okay, so it's just and, two weeks. Away. Uh, uh, we'll go. We'll start taping at eight, and you'll be out of there by nine. And uh, gonna we're going to have a, fun time. a fabulous special guest, but we just don't know who yet. Right. All right. Which that's might it. be Willem from Drag Race. That's right. He would be good. He'd be a great guest. Yeah, I want to know the scoop. Yeah. He would be. All righty. Well, as always, we love you for listening. <sighs> uh, this God is almighty. Tony. You can find me at TonyTripley.com or on Facebook at Tony Tripley Comedy. Uh, and uh, Dennis Hensley, you can find on Facebook at Dennis Hensley or at DennisHensley.com. And don't forget the world's greatest lip balm. Dr. Kiss. Dr. Kiss. You get that at VanityMark.com. We will talk to you next time. Oh, I time. forgot. I saw uh, they were shooting Smash in Times Square when I was there. I saw Ivy. Yes, I saw Megan Helty. Yeah, I did too. Hailing a cab. Oh, out really? on the street in this like white trench coat. The moral of the story is if you go to New York, smash happens right in front of you. And it was down by the FIT. Oh, really? It I was... saw her in Times Square. Oh yeah. Ivy. So yeah. It was uh it was it was kind of exciting. I was... It was like really like they just had like one camera like following her sort of reality style. Like it wasn't a huge ton of entourage. That was all around the corner. So they really weren't disrupting that's what most impressed me. They, they were shooting have. in Times Square. Yeah. And they had, had a cordon off area with like little fences, but they had like a, a craft service table and a little tent for Video Village. They they were lean, mean shooting machines. But like really not like inconveniencing no, everybody. I was That's surprised what's at how um, unintrusive they were and how, mm-hmm. how light they traveled. And they're bringing J-HUD back. They're bringing J-HUD back. So good for that. So there's that. All right. Well, as always, we love it for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.